to another bonus episode of Scars and Lemonade. This week, we will be traveling back in time to catch up with three of our past guests, B, Grace Pinetta, and Carolyn Colleen. We cannot wait for you to hear their answers to our bonus questions. We'll be learning what resilience looks like for each of them, what optimism looks like for each of them, what pop culture influences have resonated with them in tough times, and of course, we will play our favorite two truths and a lie. So play along with us and see if you can figure out the answers. We'll see you on the other side. All right, first up, we have our guest, B. You can check out her episode, A Journey, Not a Destination with B, which I believe was episode number five. So, B, my mm-hmm. first question for you is, what does resilience look like for you? Hmm. What does it look like? When I hear the word resilience, I think of somebody getting knocked down and dusting themselves off and picking themselves up and continuing moving forward. Um in a positive direction, learning from their mistakes and getting stronger as a result of what's happened to them. So I guess for me, what it looks like would be maintaining good health. So, you know, in terms of eating healthy, being active, continuing not not to um, drink, paying attention to, like I said, my body, my mental health, my mental wellness, staying, you know, connected with my social circle, um, people that build me up and make me feel good. And talking about it is part of something that's been helpful for me, right? With the not only my my friend group, but mm-hmm. also, you know, the students that I work with. I found strength in that. And I don't go into too deep of details, but yeah, I guess just kind of showing them that um people can lead successful lives in, you know, in spite of their challenges and mm-hmm. obstacles and, and struggles in life. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So our next question is what does optimism look like to you? Mm. That's funny. I I don't know if I would (laughs) describe myself as an optimistic person. I would say I'm realistic. You know, I always joke around that I I have a lot of low expectations in life because that way I'm never too disappointed. And when things are, if they are bad, I'm like, man, that's kind of what I expected. And when they're not, I'm like, this is really awesome. (laughs) But I always tend to like hope for the best and prepare for the worst. I don't know if that makes sense, but optimism, I, I guess just having an overall positive way of looking at things. But I think that needs to be worked on too, because very easily, you know, you can take things personally Mm -hmm. um, and you can build up a wall and feel like others are against you or the world is against you. Right. So I think that takes effort. So, yeah. I'm very similar when you say that. So Mm. that's part of like what we're talking about this podcast and going on this kind of like journey was to see if I could get more, a little, I guess a bit more positive and start looking at that world the other day. Mirna, maybe it was Mirna that was talking about like optimism and just how she just kind of was always like an optimistic person Mm -hmm. and like trying to get over that, just being like realistic Mm. and cynical. Like I say cynical. So, I mean, I I don't dress it up. And like you said, just expect the worst kind of thing and or plan for the worst. And, you know, yeah, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah. 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 Okay, our next question. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to be a toughie because you never consume any pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> when um, you were um, starting your recovery yes. and you were having some tough times, what pop culture resonated with you or provided a bright spot for you on your resilience and recovery journey? Huh. I've always wanted to soak up as much as I can when it comes to 
celebrities, and I know they're just celebrities, but um, <laughs> I'm aware I, I don't put them on too much of a pedestal because at the end of the day, they're people like the rest of us. And I always think of like all these poor child um, stars and you look at, you know, how many of them have endured struggles and addiction. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, because for a while acting was something that I thought I'd go into or, you know, when I planning for education, um, I didn't get in my first time. And so I had a backup plan of going into communications and just the thought of being a face out there. I don't know if that would have been good for me because I feel that that kind of pressure and having, you know, people constantly say yes to you, mm-hmm. I would have been one of them too. And I mean, I still wasn't living that type of life and had my own struggles with addiction too. But I, I mean, I guess I, f- I felt for a lot of people even before I stopped um, drinking and I just, I remember, yeah, just empathizing a lot, probably because on some level I knew too that I could relate much more closely than I was acknowledging at that time because a lot of, you know, repression goes with, uh, with addiction. But yeah, I don't know. I think more recently I've been more looking things up, but I do remember, you know, over the years, Google searching like sober, you know, celebrities and being like, oh, this person. And I remember recently watching um, some, my next guest is with um, David Letterman, David Letterman. And I did not realize he was sober. Yeah. And so that was new. And I was like, cool. Right. Um, One of my celebrity crushes, Joe Magnanello. Sophia oh, yeah, Vergara. Manganiello, yeah. She snagged him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that he, you know, stopped drinking when he was in his 20s. And oh, I, I didn't yeah, like just in terms of, you know, like seeing other adults and other parents and, and wanting to just find support and just like the bravery and other people sharing their stories mm-hmm. and just saying, yeah, this is where I'm at. So, yeah, there was not one celebrity, but the more I heard of, the more I was like, okay, part of this club almost, if you will. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, cool. Nice. All right, and now we want to play a little game with you. So this will harken back to your acting chops. <laughs> We're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. Okay. So if you can come up with Two Truths and a Lie on the spot, and we will try to see if we can pick out the lie. Okay. Are you playing? Because I feel like you yeah. know the answer. <laughs> okay. So this is mostly for Patrick, because I okay. have known you for a long time. Okay. So I really don't like white condiments, I would say. Except for mayo. But I, I really don't like sour cream, cream cheese. Okay, so in terms of like food dislikes, those are, those are high up there. Ranch dip is also a no-go. Um, <laughs> that's one, okay? Another would be that I love roller coasters. So whenever um, there's family trips being planned, which we haven't had a lot of, but I'm looking for where the biggest roller coaster rides are and attractions of that venue. And then the last one would be that... My celebrity crush. No, that might be too obvious. Um, <laughs> You're okay. like Joe Manganiello. <laughs> <laughs> I, already, I already leaked that secret. Um, okay, so my top TV shows, I would say, would be Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, Friends. Yeah. So what is the lie, Patrick? <laughs> uh, roller coasters? Yeah. Roller coasters? <laughs> I, how did you know? How did I know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have bangs, so I thought going on a roller coaster that might be dangerous. Patrick's just bullshitting. <laughs> I was like, "What?" Uh, yeah, no, I am terrified of roller coasters. Um, yeah, just never been a good thing, and never will be. <laughs> have, you, have you ever thrown up from a roller coaster yeah, ride? It was like the the Polar Express. Um, <laughs> Do you want to go faster? Yeah, and you're like, no. <laughs> yep, and my dad. Got barfed on so yeah that was bad yeah yeah that was correct okay yeah well thank you for playing thank you 
And next up, we have our lovely guest, Grace Pinetta from our episode six, Food for the Soul with Grace Pinetta. Hi, Grace. (laughs) Hello. So our first question for you is, what does resilience look like for you? Ooh, um, (laughs) resilience looks like um, 100% vulnerability. Ooh. Um, So it may look like weakness to a lot of people, but resilience means to me pushing through the discomfort and showing up however that shows up for you. So for example, for me, resilience would be, you know, some people might think is oversharing or crying in public. To me, that's resilience because you're allowing yourself to process and move forward very slowly. Ooh, I like that. Very cool answer. Uh, what does optimism look like to you? Um, what is that? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's what I normally say, okay? Optimism to me is being able to see through adversity, being able to see potential. Ooh, I like that, Grace. Potential. I think that's the first time that's come up. Maybe. That is. Yeah, like being able to see potential is definitely something because you can see that you can take that away from any kind of situation, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, right. answer like that. All right. Our next question for you is. Uh, While you've been on your resiliency journey and going through maybe some tougher times along the way, what pop culture has resonated with you or provided a bright spot for you? Okay. I don't want to sound creepy because I am a middle-aged woman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here we go. This is going to be – this is what we're using for the promo too. (laughs) It's it's called the Sex Lives of College Girls. Oh, I love that show. Okay. It's like a young woman in me really is like, wow, awakened and feel seen and heard. And then I get like excited with the sexy scenes. And then I'm like, okay, that this is bad. But it's like, again, the inner woman in me, the younger woman is like, wow, I wish that I had this when I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of representation and just the voices that they have. And they're so fearless. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, we really needed that growing up. Cause then we could be like, oh, I'm this character, a little bit of this character, but instead we had Sex in the City. So I'm like, I'm neither of any of the characters. <laughs> no, you didn't find any relation to any of those uh, old middle-aged white women? <laughs> I tried so hard and then I'm like, something isn't sticking. I don't really know why. Um, but yeah, with this show, it was just so well done. Like I flew through it, but it gave me some reprieve from just everything that's being thrown at us. So it was nice to kind of get away and then also have, yeah, like live through the characters. Very nice. cool. Isn't that a Mindy Kaling? Uh... Yes, Mindy Kaling. I was yeah. just Googling. So I'm like, she co-created it with someone. It's Mindy Kaling and Justin Noble. That name is not familiar Yeah, to me. Mindy oh, Kaling's the draw. No offense, no offense <laughs> oh, Justin. I thought you were going to tell me who Justin Noble was. Oh, no. I don't know. Some guy okay. who created a show with Mindy Kaling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now we have a little mini game that we would like to play. It is called Two Truths and a Lie. So please hit us with three statements, two of which are true, one of which is a lie, and we will see if we can pick out your lie. If she says, I love sex in the city, then I know you're lying, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, I did not brainstorm this. Um, I'm 36 years old. Um, I love to go out for dinner and eat in public with friends or on a first date. Um, 
I'm extremely loving. Could you imagine? We're like, the lie is that you're loving. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I won't guess loving, I guess. Oh my god! I've only known you for I don't know maybe five minutes, but I'm going to say that loving is the lie. You know yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how you meet someone. <laughs> I know which one the lie is, so I'll let you guess, Patrick. Okay, so the lie must be eating out in public, then I guess. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're right. I have like I, I forgot the the word, but um, I Phobia. met this girl. And- yeah, it's a phobia, but there's an actual word. Oh. And I'm like, I feel so seen because she had the same thing. And I said, what? this is an actual thing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, feeling really nauseous and then kind of going down a rabbit hole of all the things that could go wrong. And so like, even if it's my friends, I feel very anxious to do it. Um, I would much rather get like takeout and eat at a park or you know, not be served basically. And, and a first date, oh my God. <laughs> okay. Can you wait. imagine across the table? Oh God. And like, <laughs> very personal thing to watch someone eat. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't, don't, no, don't put this in my head. <laughs> Cause now, right, yeah. Okay. But you're okay with eating with people. Like you said, like at a park or like at your own house and things like that. Yeah, or is like it just, like if we're not looking at each other, I know this sounds very weird, but like me and Abby used to do play dates and it was like, I would kind of make sure. That <laughs> <laughs> you guys would just go to the local college and ask young ladies their questions. But I would make, like I would consciously make sure that I was maybe like sitting beside her and then I would eat. Oh, if I never I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, I would get really in my head. Mm-hmm. Very oh, cool. Well, thanks for having well, so many dinner dates with me and stuff. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, like I mean, very. I, very around you. <laughs> <laughs> I said very cool, but I mean for me learning about this, not necessarily for the anxiety that it causes you, but you know. <laughs> I can do like water. Like this is, look it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Breaking ground on <laughs> lep scars and lemonade right here. <laughs> and finally, we have our third and final guest of this bonus episode, Carolyn Colleen from episode eight, Fierce Action with Carolyn Colleen. So our first question for you is what does resilience look like for you? Hmm. Yeah, resilience for me is continually evolving. You know, sometimes the things that we used to think were hard are pretty easy. So like, for example, when we think about our, uh, our first love and our first breakup, right? Our first crush. Oh my goodness. It's the end of the world. And then today, <laughs> you know, you think, and you know, for, for me and for my, my, my kids, now they're going through that whole first crush thing. And you yeah. Back and you think, Oh, young grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew. <laughs> and so, yeah, the definition of resilience is continually evolving because we're continually and, um, and so when I think about resilience, I think about, all right, what is it that I need to use and repurpose as far as in my toolbox in which to move into this next journey? Uh, you probably are familiar with, uh, you know, in life, we're either in a storm, we're heading into a storm, <laughs> or we're coming right out of one. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, resilience is really how are we repurposing the tools we already have, give ourselves a little bit of credit, and then... 
Okay. So what does optimism look like to you? Mm, that's an interesting one. You know, there's that culture or thought around that continuous positivity. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, you know, you can keep your positivity. And I say, well, you know, I will. And so um, with optimism, really, it's a choice. Uh, it's a choice, not saying that bad times don't happen because they do. But I personally choose to maybe be in a pity party, but with, you know, for a few minutes and then pick myself back up and choose a more positive, optimistic view on, all right, yeah, this really does suck, but what good can I pull out of it? What can I learn here? What's the lesson or the message I'm supposed to see? And I want to choose, all right, am I going to be in that negative kind of mindset or am I going to be grateful for where I am right here, right now, still alive? That's lovely. I like that. Yeah, really about making the choice. And now, because my brain works a lot in pop pop culture references, so I'm always curious to know what pop culture has resonated or provided a bright spot for you on your own resilience journey. Mm, Well, there's so many different ones, but um, the biggest thing for me is really, uh, well, I mean, I think sometimes I share Whitney Houston music. And so... (laughs) Uh, you know, she gave me, her music gave me hope and in some of the darkest moments of my life. And I would say that through her music, that has really uh, helped me on my journey. <laughs> Is there a particular song that stands out? <laughs> uh, the Greatest Love of All. Okay. Okay. I'm in my head now. I'm like, which one would I pick? Gosh, I think I think it just depend like what day catch me yeah. on. Oh, there's so many. I want to dance with somebody else, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> but yeah, the I'm like, my love is your love. Why am I oh, even yes. singing what you said? This is a mistake. <laughs> now I should never be recorded singing. I was gonna say but her music, her music just takes me over that I forget about where I am and what I'm doing. I just get so immersed in it. Yes. <laughs> the Heartbreak Hotel album. Not yeah, that was My Love Is Your Love. That's what that is. Yeah. Okay. And because that was also the one with the duet with Mariah Carey from Prince of Egypt. When yes. you believe. Yep. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we totally derail this. We're like, anyways, so let's just talk about Whitney Houston yeah. for the next half hour. Yeah, Turn to do a Whitney pod. <laughs> oh. Okay, so our final question for you before we dig into our interview portion is this is when we will play two truths and a lie. So we would like you to come up with two truths and a lie, and we will try to figure out which one of your three statements is the lie. Aha. All right. So uh, first statement, I am a uh, certified bus driver. Second statement, I am a mother of four. Third statement, I love Brussels sprouts. <laughs> oh, well played. Oh, I think. Oh, I want to say mother of four. because I think you're being tricky because I know that you're a mother. I don't know how many kids you have, but I'm going to guess that you're tricking us on the number of children. Uh-huh. So I'm going to say the lie is mother of four. What do you think, Patrick? I think I'm just going to go with uh, exactly. Maybe she's being tricky. So I'm going to say the Brussels sprouts is the lie. Aha. Uh-huh. So 
Yes, it is a mother of four. I'm a mother of three. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 Nice. I think that's the first one I've guessed accurately. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're like, nobody could possibly love Brussels sprouts. Right? I must be alive. It's even worse because I thought I came across that in the research, too, of three of three kids. So oh, I thought like, you meant about Brussels sprouts. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I don't think that's yeah. part of her branding, Brussels sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe she's being extra tricky. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for playing those games with us. And now we will shift into our interview portion. Well, we, we will. But so you love Brussels sprouts? Is there a specific way you like to prepare them that makes them taste better than they are? Or? Oh, yeah. So I don't, um, you know, it was a love-hate relationship for a while, but um, really I feel I, I love them the most when you cut them in half, throw mm-hmm. a little bit of olive oil, you turn your oven on broil, yeah. and then you sprinkle some garlic um, and garlic salt on, and it's ooh, so, good. so good. Yeah, roasted Brussels sprouts are the best. Mm-hmm. And then you can do like a little bit of like lemon juice and then a little bit of like shaved Parmesan cheese. <laughs> okay. And then if you're into bacon, you can do like roast them with bacon too. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Everything bacon. Yes. I thought you meant like baking them like, so, like you're going to put them in like a cake or a cupcake. No, no, like B A C O N, bacon, like the food. All right. Okay. You just roast them in the middle of cupcakes. It's a fun surprise at kids' parties. It's like, where is this going? This is. Made you eat vegetables, kids. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Patrick, do you eat vegetables? I eat lots of vegetables. Okay. I do. I do. <laughs> I wish I'd eat more bacon with my vegetables. A fair bit. That's the trick. We hope you got something out of this bonus episode, a little bit of a glimpse into the different faces of resilience and optimism, some pop culture recommendations to turn to when you need a little bit of a boost or just a different way of looking at things. And we are wondering if your truth meter was on, your BS detector was apt today. Let us know. Could you tell the, the lie from the truth, the truth from the lie? Either way, we'll see you on the next episode of Scars and Lemonade. Scars and Lemonade is created and produced within Treaty 1 territory on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, OG Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the national homeland of the Red River Métis. Music for Scars and Lemonade is written, produced, and created by Evan Dysart. 